Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Every weekend on this show, you'll hear from chefs and artisan food makers, farmers and authors, experts and tastemakers who are all passionate about everything delicious. Plus, I love to dish on living the best life from health and wellness to wine and cocktails, trends really good eats, and more. So I hope that you will tune in and join me at the table. You can find podcasts of this show that you might have missed on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen and my shameless daily dish of what I love to cook and eat and cook and eat is posted on social at Chef Jamie Gwen. So please become a friend and a fan on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm always serving up seconds as well at chefjamie.com. All new, in fact, relaunched on January 1, and I'd love to know what you think of it. So email me with your recipe requests and feedback, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. Okay, let's get this culinary conversation started, shall we? Because I like to kick off this show with a tutorial of sorts, a technique, uh, chef's insight, tips, tricks, and more to make you the best cook you know. And the best cast iron skillets are a thing of tradition. Passed down generation to generation with memories of grandma's fried chicken or pineapple upside down cake, that seasoned pan that you inherited to perfection. I think cast iron skillets are definitely treasured more than the basic skillet. And with a little bit of care, they can be kept for decades to come. Now, if you buy a new cast iron pan, it comes pre-seasoned, but caring for the historical pans that you treasure takes a little extra effort. And while I use my cast iron skillets year round, whether I'm baking a cake or brownies or a skillet cookie or fried chicken or maple glazed pork chops or skillet clams or the best grilled cheese ever comes from a cast iron skillet, Have I made you hungry yet? During these colder months, I really look to my cast iron. There's something that feels hearty and rustic about it for brick chicken, and it has this inherent smokiness that comes from the pan. I could be dreaming, but I really truly think it does. Cast iron imparts history into your food, whether you're using your grandmother's pan or making cooking memories with your family for generations to come. And there are, by the way, lots of lighter weight cast iron pans on the market today, and I like them. But this conversation is about the treasured ones, the pan that you savor from your mom or your aunt or your nana, the pan that you plan to pass down to your daughter or your son. So here are my best tips to take care of the cast iron that you treasure. Uh, Some cooks and chefs... And cast iron diehards do not dare let their pans near water 
to resist rust. But if you have a pan that needs a little love, we can restore that rusted gem. Now, mind you, I do wash my cast iron. I never take uh, a scouring brush or a rough, the rough side of a sponge to it, but I use soap and very hot water and I clean the grease and then I pat it dry and then I'll put it back on top of the stove where usually, you know, the oven was on prior and there's, you know, residual heat from the oven that dries out the pan. If you don't have a heat source like that, you want to dry it really, really well, of course. But if you are of the mindset that your treasured cast iron skillet, the precious one, should never be near water, there is, because of humidity, Uh, the chance that it will rust. So here goes. This is what you need to know. Traditional cast iron skillets need seasoning to keep them healthy and usable for years to come. The first time it was done is not enough. So if you find some rust on a pan that you have or one that was passed down to you, I recommend that you season it right away. Seasoning is what it's all about. It's the act of coating the skillet with some sort of cooking oil, preferably a neutral flavored one, and putting it in a 350 degree oven for about an hour. Then I turn the oven off actually, and I let it sit until the morning because I'm usually doing this at night, so overnight. And then I'll take it out and I'll uh, just completely sort of uh, do a a once over, you could call it, with paper towels and you're ready to use it. And what it does is it reinforces that nonstick coating inherent to a cast iron skillet every time you go heat oil in the skillet again. Now, back to cleaning for a moment. For best results, I say you rinse a cast iron skillet after you're done using it with hot water immediately. And if you do need to remove some burned on food, you can use a really mild abrasive, a non-metal brush. Uh, Some great chefs use coarse salt, like a kosher salt. You can use a few drops of a mild dishwashing soap especially if the pan gets a sticky coating uh, back to that rust as well. And to prevent rust after future uses, you dry the skillet very, very well, and you can always coat it with a really thin layer of neutral cooking oil, once again, using a paper towel, wipe it clean, then ready to, you know, you're ready to season it, a little bit of oil on that paper towel, a very thin layer And then cover the inside of the pan with a paper towel to protect it from dust. If you are buying a new cast iron skillet, by the way, nothing is more versatile than a 10-inch or a 12-inch basic size. As for other recipes using your cherished cast iron skillet, how about my double chocolate skillet brownies or my skillet cornbread with chipotle butter? Or maybe you'd like my apple cider chicken recipe. Well, all made, by the way, in a cast iron skillet. I'd love to share them. And I was feeling very generous today. So I decided that you should email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com for this week's bonus recipes with an S. I will send you all three recipes never posted anywhere before as my New Year's gift to you. Once again, please email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. And oh, you're welcome. 
It's actually my pleasure. After 17 years on the radio, this bonus recipe idea seems to uh, really have kicked off at the end of last year. And I am delighted to receive your emails and your warm notes and your constructive criticism about the show. And I especially love your recipe requests. So cheers to your well-seasoned cast iron. Here's other good news. Do you feel like cruising? Well, let me tell you, this is going to be the cruise of a lifetime, and I would love for you to come cruise with me. We have just started sharing the news. This is my seventh Chef Jamie cruise, and you're invited. On board Oceana Cruise Lines, which is the most delicious cruise line on the open sea, with uh, culinary schools on board, I will be teaching private cooking classes to my Chef Jamie group only. It is seven days, round trip, airfare included, a private cocktail party to welcome you, an exclusive wine tasting class, two private cooking demonstrations, and a totally exclusive, totally food-centric shore excursion. And I would love for you to see Alaska with me. It will be my first time on board Oceana Cruise Line's Regatta cruise ship. And we leave August 24th of this year. So please come cruise and celebrate the beauty that is Alaska and all the smoked fish and brilliant beer that we can drink and eat. I am truly so excited. You'll learn more at chefjamie.com. The cruise is being handled and hosted by Travel Store, and I'll gladly share info. Just email me once again, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com, or call 800-777-6540 and say, I want to cruise with Chef Jamie. Oh, yes. Okay, don't touch your dial, because coming up, we have a chock full show of fabulous food and delicious conversation. Sarah Gray Miller is here, new at the helm as the executive editor-in-chief of Savour Magazine, which I love. And they are celebrating with their 25th anniversary their best recipes of all time. So diehard food lovers, you will not want to miss this. Sarah Gray coming up next. And before the end of the hour, because we love to eat, we have to work harder to stay fit. Our resident fitness expert and my dear girlfriend, Lisa Lynn, is here. And from her stationary bike, she will share motivation, tips, and tricks to get fit in 2020. So don't touch your dial. There is lots more scintillating conversation to feed your soul coming up right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, be right back. Very happy new year to you and to all the best in 2020. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio as the delicious conversation continues. 
Savour Magazine, the culinary publication for serious foodies, of which I am a huge fan, is always chock full of glorious stories about the wonderful world of food, traveling the globe for inspiration, and new and richly researched recipes for your table. The winter issue on newsstands now celebrates the magazine's 25th anniversary, and it is packed with their best recipes of all time. Oh, it is so good. Savor's new editor-in-chief at the helm, Sarah Gray Miller, is here with Insight. And I'm so glad to have you, Sarah Gray. Welcome and Happy New Year. Thank you, Jamie. (laughs) I am thrilled to be here. Happy New Year to you, too. Well, thank you kindly. Uh, Before we celebrate 25 delicious years of your magazine... Allow us to better get to know you, please, because congratulations on your new post. You, Thank you. Uh, yes, you have a wonderful history with Savour. I know you started your career there, which proves that good things do come full circle, right? <laughs> <laughs> they do. It might take 25 years. Well, you but, know, absolutely. patience Patience is everything, right? <laughs> yes, I was fresh out of college, 22 years old, mm. when I started at Savour. The magazine had not yet launched. And I was the receptionist, all-around gal Friday, and assistant to Dorothy Kalins, the founding editor-in-chief. Wow. So I, I was really there when Sever was dreamed up out of thin air and launched and got to watch and listen and learn as Dorothy and Coleman Andrews and Christopher Hersheimer, the three key founders, put that first issue together. And I stuck around for, for eight years. I really... I spent my tw- my 20s working for these great people. Hmm. And and you've come back now and you are doing beautiful work. A lot has happened since 1994. Uh, yes. a, a whole heck of a lot, right? Um and yes. the magazine has continued to evolve, but the the big names that you just mentioned um are are still influencing all of us in this beautiful gastronomic world that we live in. Absolutely. I can't tell you. Um when I arrived here, started working here in the summer, this past summer, every time I talked to a chef or talked to a food writer, they would say, "You know Christopher Hersheimer? <laughs> what was it like working with Coleman? What was Dorothy like back then?" And I realized that Maybe to every single person on the street, they aren't huge names, but to serious foodies, they're sort of the ultimate food insiders, insiders, yes. and, and real heroes, and still actively participating in the food world. Hmm. And I think it's quite extraordinary they are celebrating your 25th anniversary. This is quite an issue to lead with, Sarah Gray. I mean, set your sights I'm high, babe. Right. <laughs> You know, I come back 25 years later, and I just happened to, my first issue is the 25th anniversary issue, and how lucky I was, I have stayed in touch with these people um, since 1993-94, and they immediately, um, all I had to do was email, text, pick up the phone, and every single person that I worked with happily contributed Dorothy wrote a beautiful essay on how the world of food has changed over the past 25 years. Coleman wrote about what it was like to launch Sever, what they were thinking at that time. We have a great feature on Christopher. She and Melissa Hamilton, who used to be the test kitchen director at Sever, just opened, believe it or not, their first restaurant in New Jersey. I cannot yeah. wait to go. I'm dying to go. We'll get to that. We have to talk about the space. Oh, is that beautiful? Isn't it? 
unbelievable. Uh, talk about a dream space, a dream location, and maybe because they waited that long? You know, they it's so funny. They act like everything is no big deal, Christopher and Melissa. I joke that Christopher's middle name should be what? This old thing? Oh, right, sure. <laughs> Just that, you mean? We should, let's talk about it. We'll dig in because the, the magazine is a, is a plethora of inspiration and insight, and there's so much I want to make. The restaurant that you're speaking about is called canal house station right and after after decades of work the founding food editor and the former test kitchen director of savour have opened a restaurant that is so true to who and what they are i want to sleep there on the banquette <laughs> in the picture i mean that is just a, a luscious space and and what i love and it's so true to who they are Nothing's over-decorated. Nothing's mm. over the top. It feels like it's been there forever. And again, it's that thing that they do. They never let their effort show, but don't be fooled. Every decision is so well thought out, so plotted out. I should point out, you know, right off the bat that the restaurant is called Canal House Station. Yes. Because the restaurant is situated in an old train station, a late 1800s train station in Milford, New Jersey. Mm. And up until this point, they launched the restaurant this um this past September, August, September, October, they sort of soft-launched it. But they have published um, a series of quarterly journals called Canal House Cooks. They have a blog. They have photographed, styled, tested recipes for the cookbooks of just about everyone you can think of. Alice wow. Waters, Julia Child when she was still alive. Yeah. And so they have become these, these stars in the food world, but unless you were a chef invited to go hang out in their studio or unless you were lucky enough to work with them at Sever back in the 90s as I did, you never had the opportunity to actually eat something that they cooked. So this news, the fact that they've done this, is, is incredibly exciting. And I think it sort of shocked even them. <laughs> they've always sort of, Christopher has always loved to kind of just hang out a little behind the scenes. Sure. Um, and I loved it. I said, what, what made you do this? And some of it was the space, but she also said, uh, so Christopher, she just said, you know, we kind of missed people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just kind of. and, and Just so, kind of missed people. Yeah, sure. So we thought we'd put parsnip puree and roasted duck legs with apples and onions on the menu. And let me tell you, I will gladly fly to New Jersey for that. Uh, you've generously shared the recipe, too. That is well, Christopher generously shared the recipe. Yes, and, so. and it's in the magazine, in the winter issue. Correct. That is one of the most beautifully rustic yet elegant dishes I can't think of anything else I would rather make. Can I tell you, that is my favorite photograph in the entire <laughs> issue. It's stunning. And Christopher shot it herself, and that's how they are. You know, they developed the recipe they write the recipe, they style the food, they style the props, they take the picture themselves. Um, that is the most, most to me, mouth-watering picture in the whole magazine. I have to agree. Um, my mouth did water, though. I got very thirsty as I <laughs> thumbed through the first few pages and came upon the article. I hope I'm pronouncing it properly. I will admit to my ignorance in not knowing anything about Geneva? You've got the pronunciation right, and you're in good company, or at least in the company of the editors here at Sever. I had never heard of it. 
Okay, so this is a revelation. Very good learning. If you could please pause there. When we come back, more on the celebration of 25 years of Savour Magazine. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Be right back. Back and we're dishing with Sarah Gray Miller, editor in chief of Savour Magazine, the truly most delicious publication for diehard food lovers. And we're celebrating their 25th anniversary. Sarah Gray, you were saying? There are a number of interesting new Genevers being imported. And, and what amazed me is that it once was very, very popular in America. And was a real part of cocktail culture here. And then just over time, uh, we sort of, we that love affair just petered out. Sure. And now it's been reignited. I think that's wonderful. I can't wait to taste it and, and mix with it or, or sip it slowly. I thought it was fabulous to read the article, too, in that there's a great dichotomy. It's this old world, uh, you know, steeped in history spirit but then there is a female master distiller who is you know bringing geneva back to life and and i loved that sort of you know the the dichotomy the the contrast i did too the three players really on the scene right now in holland is one is sort of the old school he's at bowls which is the one brand anyone would anyone know of sure would recognize that name and when I saw the bottle, I realized I had seen it collecting dust on the back of, on the back <laughs> the of bar here and there. <laughs> yes. Um, and then there is um, a female distiller, very rare, shaking things up. Mm. And then sort of a young Turk um, at a distillery called Bobby's who really wasn't a distiller to begin with, but his grandfather, named nicknamed Bobby, was an amateur distiller, and that got him in this through pure passion as opposed to education and he's definitely the one pushing the envelope the farthest and there's there's real variety um you know within this spirit yeah quite fabulous Uh, really amazing insight if you just tuned in you're late we are (laughs) celebrating the new year with sarah gray miller editor-in-chief of savour magazine and the winter issue just released it is the 25th anniversary issue, the best recipes of all time, stories and insight to ignite your palate and certainly to make you the best cook you know. There's so much knowledge packed in this issue, Sarah Gray. Can we talk pralines for a minute, please? Because you know I have a connection to Nolens, and only yep. if you've lived or worked in Nolens can you call it Nolens. We know it's <laughs> New Orleans. But um, because of my time cooking with Emerald, uh, I love pralines, and the tradition of pralines lives on. Um, what a piece to be able to share the recipe 
Uh, well, and I grew up. Um, yes, Mississippi, about, right? Yeah, in Mississippi, yes. right on the on the river separating Mississippi from Louisiana, and about two and a half hours north of New Orleans by car. So I grew up eating pralines, and the writer of the piece, Catherine Tillman Whalen, is one a childhood friend of mine. We've been friends since elementary school. Oh, I love. That. And she was also the assistant editor at Sever back in the nineties and has a house in New Orleans, and went to Tulane. So Tried and true. Die hard. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) She knows what she's talking about, and what I love about the piece that she did is it doesn't, it it does trace the history. Yes. From 18th century France to to the current day New Orleans, but she does not shy away from serious issues of race and class and gender um, surrounding the history of this of this candy. Right. And I believe that it does not have to be the holiday season to make pralines like today is a good day to make pralines. There is just something so rich and and like you alluded to historically and on the palate about a praline and I have found hundreds of uses for I guess we should call them leftover pralines albeit yes. I don't think that really exists that's like having leftover wine <laughs> what is that yes. but leftover pralines in my house become um, crushed over ice cream as a topping or I'll finally grind them into a crust or I'll mix Ooh, them into shortbread. Oh, yes. So, you know, I happen to think pralines should exist on the counter every day. I agree. And we are actually today, they are being made in the test kitchen. Because Ooh, we are having a party, you. 25th anniversary party tonight. Oh. And a bunch of the old editors are coming back. And so our test kitchen team <sighs> is making a lot of the recipes featured in this issue. Um, the pralines, as well as some recipes from the best recipes of all time feature. Oh. So I will spend tonight feasting on praline. Okay, have one for me, please. I will, and I want people to know people think that people are intimidated by them. It's not that hard. I think people no. get scared of boiling sugar, you know, getting sugar to a certain heat. But with the candy thermometer, they're really pretty simple. They really are. And I think it's a technique to master. Like, it becomes your own. You are a culinary hero, when you put out a plate of pralines, because exactly. everybody knows you made them, you, uh, you know, uh, essentially just made love to them. You took the time and the effort and the energy, and they're just something special. Um, before they I let you go, yes, go ahead. Mouth. They do. They melt oh. in your mouth. And we had so many people in and out of our New York office who had never eaten one before. And there wasn't a single person who tasted one and didn't become a true believer and a convert. Oh, a praline virgin. Love it. Mm -hmm. Okay, before I let you go, we have to discuss the best recipes of all time. There is a 12-page feature at the end of the winter issue of Savoir Magazine and if you haven't made all of these recipes over the years, you are going to want to. I have to say... This was like the greatest collection ever, Sarah Gray. Page after page, I thought, oh, good. We'll have chilaquiles for lunch, and then we'll have (laughs) smoked trout hash for... We'll have chilaquiles for breakfast, rather. Smoked trout hash for lunch. Oh, good. We'll we'll have chicken liver pate for dinner. And then, I, I mean, literally, I was mapping out the next week. Well, and you know what's so fun about it is we reached out 
to just about everyone who has ever worked in the Sabur Test Kitchen. Huh. They all picked favorites, and what I love is what they were telling us is this is what I cook at home. This of, of the, can you imagine, hundreds of recipes they must have tested and tasted and or developed this is the one they go back to again and again. To, I mean, you want to talk about a ringing endorsement. Oh, for roasted mushrooms with chili lemon oil? I, I love how easy that one is. Oh, I'm in. And a gougere, <laughs> um, still one of my favorites. And the real Texas chili, original, yes. I mean, originally published in 1997. Talk about having staying power. Martin Yan, many of the names that you've mentioned, Sarah Gray, have graced this show over my 17 years on the radio. And yes. I can't tell you how flattered and honored and privileged I feel to be able to say that. And then, you know, to see the recipes, Hunter's Smoked Trout Hash, I've made it. I, I, I've made it many a time. It's... A, it's unparalleled. Like these are literally the best recipes from Savor of all time. The the nudie, uh, oh yes. That was an early one. That was yeah. That was Kelly, the first person to ever work in the test kitchen. With way before. Way before its time. Yeah. Yes. Way before its time. Um, and then the Canadian butter tart. I, I mean, all of these absolutely just beautiful recipes and pun intended to savor from Savour. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that and that, that Canadian butter tart. That's our current test kitchen director hmm. who discovered that recipe when she was 15 years old and a Savour super fan. Wow. See, so long, long before she came to work here. Yes, and it is all about appreciating the history, where we've been and where we're going. And I think you've done an absolutely exceptional job highlighting the beauty of 25 years of Savour as you continue to propel yourself into 2020. So kudos to you. Oh, thank you so much. It means the world. I joke all the time that if if I messed it up, it certainly wasn't because I wasn't trying. <laughs> I care I care so much about this brand mm. and its legacy, and I feel as if sort of I've inherited the family business, but all my parents are still alive, and they're watching what I'm doing. Well, I can tell um, you, you can taste it in the magazine. You oh, really can, Sarah you. Gray. You can taste it. So congratulations. Will you please come back and talk food with us again throughout the year? Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime. And we've got to get you in the Sivir Test Kitchen. Yes, I, too much time I can't wait to come back. Thank you. The wide and wonderful world of recipes and cooking, wine and culinary arts can be found in Savour magazine. The winter issue celebrating the magazine's 25th anniversary is on newsstands now. Trust me, you will slobber on the pages and then you will <laughs> run to the kitchen to cook. Sarah Gray Miller at the helm, editor-in-chief of Savour magazine, contributing to this show. Stay tuned for more deliciousness from Savour in 2020. Sarah Gray, thank you again. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Such an honor to be on the show. No, it's my it's our my pleasure, our pleasure. And there is lots more delicious conversation coming up in your radio. So grab a snack and come on back. Chef Jamie Gwen.
This is a place for people that love to eat. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Want to crush your goals in 2020? Do you have healthy resolutions? Like eat more greens or drink more water or move more? Those are good goals, so says Lisa Lynn. And here to make them stick is my personal motivation, a truly fit woman. I am proud to call Lisa my friend and our resident fitness expert on this show. Lisa is the founder of Lynn Fit Nutrition and the author of the award-winning The Metabolism Solution. She created the Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Metabolic Boosting Weight Loss System, and she appears regularly with Dr. Oz to share her tips, tricks, and workouts. I am always thrilled when she stops by to whip us back into shape. Happy New Year, Lisa. I had a protein drink this morning, just letting you know. Delicious, right? Yes, it was. And you know, I find it, it's filling to me, and I love that. And it makes takes the decision-making away. Honestly, people say, don't you ever feel restricted? The most freedom comes when you surrender, and I like to eat at night, so I'm happy to rob Peter to pay Paul. Okay, I'm, I'm with you there. <laughs> um, what are your New Year's resolutions? Please share. Rather, you call them commitments. I love that. Yeah believe in resolve you have to commit to do something a resolve is like a wish thrown into the air but when you make a commitment a hundred percent you're all in not 90 a hundred percent then you're not fighting with that 10 percent that's like well tomorrow <laughs> i think that's very believe smart it or not i can have some issues around food and overweighing and compulsive exercise because i like to eat the truth is my resolution this year is one i want to eat more dark chocolate i love this stuff and I want to be the kind of person my dog thinks I am. You know, in menopause, I can be a little crabby lady. <laughs> I think that's a good commitment. Okay, share your guaranteed success solution, please. Yeah, we've got to be smart about our goals. Smart. Smart, meaning specific, measurable, attainable, relevant or realistic, and you got to time it to have a sense of urgency. That way you wake up, your feet hit the ground, and you're off running toward your goal. Otherwise... It's just another wish. Okay, so I want to be smart. The S stands mm-hmm. for specific. It's not yep. the, the generality like, oh, I'm going to lose weight. One needs to be more specific and say, I'm going to lose weight by starting every morning with a protein-packed smoothie. Exactly. Those are the people who are successful when they say, I need to lose five pounds. The first thing I say is, by when? Five okay. pounds in one week. Now you know they're running at their goal, and they're not going to be like, eh, I think I'll eat this right now. They know, whoops, I got a goal, and I got to get there by X, Y, Z. Like when you're late for work and you start rushing a little bit. Yeah, I love that you give an example, too. I'm going to be smart. I'm going to uh, drop the milk from my coffee and drink yeah. coffee black in the morning. That is the smart yeah. specific. You to- know, I see this all day, and people are like, I lost a pound in it stopped and I go show me what you're eating and the one thing I constantly see and I don't understand is the cream and junk that we're putting in delicious organic fair trade coffee's another rock star mm. and they're crapping it up with stuff that you don't really like coffee you're like sugaring yourself up and it's not only wrecks weight loss horrible for our health and there's a better alternative like if you haven't whipped that shake that you're drinking and frothed it and put it in you haven't lived yet That's very true. Um, Talk about the M in SMART for measurable. This is, again, about measuring and and moderating things to to really reach the goal. Yeah, and people don't realize measurement means I'm going to five pounds. A number is a measurement tool. 
by when? Five days. And then second, it's going to organically force you into, if you're having a gallon of ice cream a night, you better measure a half cup because it's about moderation. Be specific. If you can't measure it, you're never going to management. And as Martha Stewart used to say, run the numbers. Because if you're not losing, it's always going to go back to that. Yeah, there's a good reason. The A in SMART stands for attainable. You have to set commitments that are reachable. Five pounds this week uh, ain't going to happen for me. Exactly. And now for some, it's it's easy peasy. But for others, knowing, like, I know myself. I don't like to work too hard. And and there are certain things, like, I like Ferraris, but I don't want to work so hard that I have to take care of one of those. So I'll be a realistic. This is actually a real conversation. And pick something you really can get. So when you, when you achieve that goal, you got to start cheering for those even small successes because I see a big problem with people like they're bombing on themselves when they don't do it, and then they don't cheer when they do. That cheering and high-fiving to ourselves is what breeds more motivation. Yeah, you know, I was raised by a mom whom you know that we mm-hmm. celebrated everything. I mean, we yeah. still jump up and down for the little things. And I think there is great Good. satisfaction in the celebration. Yeah. So yeah. when I get on the scale tomorrow and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with my progress, then I you. celebrate that protein drink. Lisa is dedicated to helping you get in the best shape of your life, physically, mentally, spiritually, for nearly 30 years She has devoted her career to personal training, specializing in metabolic weight loss and performance nutrition. And you can get great tips and get your heart pumping, work your whole body by reading Lisa's blog. It's at linfit, L-Y-N-F-I-T dot com. And you can follow follow her on social rather at Lisa Lynn Fitness. And we are sharing the Bliss Balls recipes. Check it out. Lisa Lynn Fitness and at Chef Jamie Gwen. Lisa, keep peddling. I'll talk to you soon. I'm going back to my protein drink. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thanks, girlfriend. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of a treasure trove of inspiration. Well, at least I hope you thought so. I hope you'll tune in every weekend when there is guaranteed fabulous food and informative, entertaining, and delicious conversation in your radio. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of oh, I don't know, really good eats for this hour. It's citrus season, so you should savor it and preserve it. And I love to make candied orange peel, preferably from good navel oranges or really juicy tangerines or even best yet, blood oranges. And I use the candied orange peel in my double chocolate orange cookies, in cake batter. I'll chop it into my morning oatmeal. Uh, I use it to make a marmalade. And then, of course, there is that sweet citrusy bite after dinner. And to gild the lily, I dip some of the pieces halfway in dark chocolate. What do you use your homemade candied orange peel for? I'd love to know. If you want to make some, it's my last bite recipe for this week. Just three ingredients plus water. And I'm posting it right now on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. If you're looking for the bonus recipes this week, heard at the start of this show, for those of you cast iron skillet lovers, I'll send you three recipes never printed or seen before from my collection. Just email me, jamie at chefjamie.com. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. I'll meet you here next weekend. And I hope that you continue to eat well. Well,